edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you, as always. And in today's show, I will be previewing the AFC East for fantasy football in 2022. Be sure to check out that AFC North episode that's also in your feed. That has the bold take and some discussion of the Deshaun Watson news about his suspension that just broke. On this one, I'll be talking just AFC East. It'll be a little shorter than the other one most likely. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. As always, at SGF pod for the podcast. Send over fantasy questions, second and goal fantasy at gmail.com. Check my Twitter as I announced on the other show because I will likely be trying to do another fantasy football talk episode of Twitter Spaces on there on Wednesday night. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, that would be the place to be. So be sure to check that out. Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots on today's show. 12 questions to talk about. And yeah, I mean, I've been doing two shows a week. I guess I forgot to mention this on the other show, but I should, 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 should have a couple guests lined up for the AFC South, AFC West previews next week, or at least one is the goal. So we're working on that as actually as we speak pretty much because I was actually just in communication with a couple people. So we'll see how that goes. Try to get a couple more guests for you, a couple more perspectives for the end of the off season. Like I said, I've been kind of experimenting between like the shorter quick hitting solo shows and the longer guest shows. So if you guys have one you'd like more, I think there's pros and cons to each. If you have one you'd like more and want think like have reasoning on why you want me to focus on one, like the longer kind of hour long ones or the 15, 20 minute ones more. Like, let me know because I'm trying to think, think of think, figure out what works best for you guys. And I think honestly, a mix might be the solution because it kind of gets you like, I, I know a lot of people love those like deep dives with the guests. And a lot of people love the deep dives that just go quickly where I go fast and run down just everything you need to know in a short amount of time as possible. Because a lot of people don't have a ton of time to just listen to an hour long show. And sometimes those guest shows, obviously, like you'll have an hour of content and a lot of it isn't that useful, but it's all at least somewhat useful. And then this, of course, it's kind of giving you what you most need to know in a short amount of time. So, you know what? I like both. And I will just continue podcasting is the point. And yeah, we're over 150 episodes, guys. And the download numbers are high. Um, I'm, Let me go check. All-time downloads right now, 5,476 all-time downloads on the show with 150 episodes released. And the download averages are higher than historical averages, which is also great because that means this show is getting more popular and people are listening. And that's, I mean, to be expected with the fantasy football season coming around, but a lot of episodes have gotten super high download numbers as well. The fantasy football draft guide episode, that was just like my, my episode. That was just me where I had like a 42 minutes of pretty much everything you need to know about fantasy football. So be sure to check that out for this year. And like, I tried to just get through as much information for like every position that I could. And that like got a lot of downloads on it. So like, that was fun. Obviously the episode with Christopher Harris, you know, when he retweeted it, people listened because they're fans of his show and they wanted to hear him on this. So that was fun. But we've done so much this off season, just so you know. So like, I know I'm going on and on, but you should go out and check out the episodes that are like prior to this one, because the fantasy football draft guide episode is still really relevant. I've done some mock drafts, had some great guests. Like you want to hear Christopher Harris. Yeah, I know you do. Absolutely. And uh, so go check that one out as well. But also listen to this. I listen to as many as you can is the goal. But I mean, 
you know what? You're here for fantasy advice. And that's what I try to offer. So thank you for downloading and listening. Let's get started finally. And now I'm done rambling. Bills, let's get started with them. We're going to have three questions for each team like we've been having throughout these divisional episodes. So first one for the Bills is Josh Allen, the quarterback one overall in fantasy football. I think the answer is yes. As I talked about on the other show, and as I've talked about on pretty much like, I feel like every show I've ever done, I don't pursue the late round quarterback strategy. I see quarterback as replaceable, as streamable, and I see early round quarterbacks as guys that you have to pay high costs for, and the best case scenario is they pay back that cost. So I'm not paying quarterback one prices for a guy whose best potential chance is quarterback one. And obviously, like I'm, I'm going to say the same about a guy like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. Quarterbacks two and three. Their best case scenario also could be quarterback one, but it's not like if you're paying for fourth round prices, you are taking them over some elite wide receivers potentially. That's a wide receiver gold mine or some like last straggling running backs like Brees Hall. I would always rather have Brees Hall, who's going around that range, than a Herbert. Herbert or Mahomes because Brees Hall has a chance to make a posi- an impact at a position that's much harder to replace in season. Whereas there's like five guys every week on the waiver wire on quarterback that I can just stream based on matchups and potentially get a top 12 or top 15 week. And you can always get guys in the late rounds who have a great chance of breaking out as well. So yeah, but Josh Allen's still the QB one. What separates him is not only his incredible arm talent, not only his rushing ability, and it's it's also, I mean, it's both of those mainly, and also his willingness to take it in at the goal line and get rushing touchdowns is really perfect for fantasy football. It's everything you could possibly want. Thoughts on this RB room for the Bills? I think Devin Singletary remains the starter at running back. We're going to see some James Cook in pass-catching situations. He's looked good in training camp. Most guys have looked good in training camp. That's nothing too crazy, at least according to the team's reports is what I mean. But Singletary will probably end up getting some good work. And he was actually productive for sometimes last season. Sometimes I think we're forgetting about Devin Singletary a little bit and underrating him. He's not like going as an RB1 or an RB2. You're not having to pay crazy prices. And yet he's more than likely going to be the starter once again this year because we already saw the Bills spend a second round pick on Zach Moss just a couple of years ago. And Zach Moss wasn't over to, able to overtake Devin Singletary. Now was that because Zach Moss isn't good? Um, what You can think whatever you want to think. But Devin Singletary has held on to this job for a good long while because he's a decent player. He's at the RB34. So he's going outside of that range of starting running backs, yet he is in the Bills offense and likely to get the majority of the work between the tackles. So I like that a lot overall. Who should you target behind Stefan Diggs at wide receiver? Uh, yes, this is where I get to uh, put my opinion out on Gabriel Davis and the Gabriel Davis debates that go out on fantasy Twitter and all of that. Gabriel Davis is currently... The Fantasy Pros wide receiver 27, which is around the spot or maybe a little higher than the spot I would take Gabriel Davis. The positives, he could be the wide receiver two in the Bills offense. The negatives, he already kind of was last year and wasn't that crazy. And now they added Jamison Crowder as well. So, I mean, obviously the uh, loss of Emmanuel Sanders, that helps. But they added Jamison Crowder. And the one thing about Jamison Crowder is that he tends to go anywhere and just become a target hog because he gets open a lot. Like he... he And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Like, he's always open. So not always are we going to have those consistent target floors for Gabriel Davis, especially with a dual-threat QB like this. And and now a new pass-catching running back as well. Like, Davis will have some breakout games, but more than likely, I think we're going to see a lot of, like, okay games from him. I am not buying in to the Gabriel Davis hype, and I don't see the massive upside here. But at the same time, 
there's plenty of opportunity to have some good weeks. So not, don't like, to, I know you, the like rule on fantasy Twitter is either super crazy or super fade on Gabriel Davis. I'm neither. He's probably around my wide receiver 30, to be honest, maybe around wide receiver, like 29, 28 um, is, but like, yeah, you know, he slips in drafts a little bit. He's worth a shot. He's not going to be bad. For the Dolphins, let's move on to Miami. Will Tua Tagovailoa take a leap? That's the question everybody's been asking. I don't know about taking a leap. I think he'll be just good enough to have some good fantasy production supported by these guys, but I don't see Tua as super likely to be the franchise QB for this team. I think he could be for the Dolphins, and I think maybe he could stick around and be mediocre for the next couple of years. But it's going to be about these weapons that's going to support him to fantasy value, and that's why he's a QB too but probably doesn't have a ton of upside. So I'm not, I mean, maybe a little bit. So like maybe at the very end of drafts, you can take him, but I don't see like top 10 upside for Tua Tagovailoa. What I do like, and I guess I'll go ahead to these wide receivers is Tyreek Hill. And I think Tua is going to hyper-target him in the short areas, just like he hyper-targeted Jalen Waddle last year. I see Tyreek Hill is better than Jalen Waddle and becoming the wide receiver one in this offense. And he has the ability to break play, big plays from short gains. So I don't even think he takes that much of a hit moving from Kansas City to Miami. I really like him at his wide receiver nine price. Waddle, I like a little less, but he's a wide receiver 18. That's not too bad either. I see Tyreek Hill as the pretty clear one in this offense, but Waddle will get some targets too. And he was among the most targeted guys in the league last year during that stretch where he was just getting spammed by Tua. So there's plenty of space to go around for these two. And Waddle, like he, his draft price actually dropped a few spots from what it was. It used to be like wide receiver 14, wide receiver 15. It's dropped to where I'm fine taking him before he was kind of a fade for me. But yeah, around there, you know what? Like top 20 receiver, you're probably fine. Borderline top 20. So who should you pick from this crowded RB room is the last question from the Dolphins. It's, it's I, I, let's see if I can talk. <laughs> I almost want to say nobody here as now I can get my words together. Um, I think Chase Edmonds is obviously being projected as the clear starter here in this offense at uh, RB 28. I don't really like that a lot. I don't like Chase Edmonds is potentially, I don't think he's going to be a like between the tackles runner and a big pass catcher. He's going to be leading in pass catching, but I think the between the tackles work is going to go to Shoney Michelle and Ricky Mostert. Mostly Mostert is mostly hurt. So like at RB 51, I love him as a player. So just take a shot on him just for that reason. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I, I think he has some upside because he's just so efficient on the ground normally. Michelle, blah, blah, blah. Like, I would normally just avoid most guys here. Because what's the upside for Chase Edmonds? Borderline RB2? Probably. I think that's his ceiling. He's at RB28. Worst case scenario, you can't do anything with him at all. So, no no point. No point. Um, Let's move on to the Jets. What? How does this offense look with and without Zach Wilson? Honestly, I mean, I've given up on my, like, Zach Wilson superstar hype. Or maybe not completely given up. Like, I mean, I was going crazy about Zach Wilson last year. But, like... Uh, at this point, I mean, he's going to miss quarterback. He's going to miss week one. Obviously it's going to be Joe Flacco to start the season. So we're going to see, I don't know if we're going to see that much of a change because Joe Flacco is not that good. He makes good decisions. Zach Wilson makes poor decisions, but has better arm talent. I don't know. Like, I don't see much difference in like the yardage outputs of Joe Flacco versus Zach Wilson. That's not something I feel like is much too different enough to really dive into Elijah Moore at wide receiver 33. That's a fine value. 
I like him with the guys there because he has the rapport with them. And I like, that's why I like more over Garrett Wilson. I think more takes a year to leap at wide receiver 33. I think he could be a borderline wide receiver two next year has some good upside. So he's worth a pick at that spot. Wilson at wide receiver 49 had some high draft capital spent on him. He's not a bad pick there for a guy who could be a wide receiver two in this offense, but I prefer more, but neither of these guys are bad values. And both are guys I would consider drafting. How much upside does Brees Hall have at running back? Speaking of guys, I would consider drafting. It's Brees Hall, who is actually rising on Fantasy Pros rankings to the RB17. I liked him a lot better when he was at the RB20. But even so, Brees Hall was picked in the second round. He seems to be coming in as the clear starter in this offense. I don't think Michael Carter is going to be the starter. I think it's going to be Brees Hall who is a good RB and the workload that he's going to have alone, like I think is going to make him be a top 15 running back next year and potentially even top 12. He's got that upside. So worth a pick. And I think after him, you see a guy like Cam Akers, Travis Etienne, David Montgomery. I see a teardrop there because I see Brees Hall is more guaranteed to work out and also having similar upside than those guys. Which wide receiver should you target for the Jets? I already talked about that. Let's move to the Patriots. Is Mac Jones worth drafting in fantasy football? It's all, uh, well, I guess it's not always the interesting question because, I mean, last year was his rookie year in the league. I don't think so. I mean, he's the quarterback 22. His really max upside is quarterback 15 or so because he just has no rushing upside at all. So at the end of the day, it's hard to trust Mac Jones. I mean, it's easy to trust Mac Jones, but hard to trust him to have any sort of breakout. So just leave him on the waiver wire. Is it Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson next year? I think it's going to be both, and it's hard to make a take on who. I think we've tried to project the Patriots' backfield and who it's going to be for a long, long time now. And at this point, you just have to accept that it's either going to be Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson, and it's probably pretty likely to be, like, I mean, it's equally likely to be either one of them. I think, I mean, Stevenson at the RB33, Harris at the RB26, so I guess Stevenson's the better value. They both looked pretty equally good. They're both probably going to split carries and they're both, neither of them will probably be top 20 next year. So at the end of the day, RB2 flex plays could be both of them. We're going to see some rushing the football. Bill Belichick likes to do that. Stevenson's probably the slightly better value, but Harris is also more proven and he started for longer there. So yeah, it's kind of neither. It's going to be a shared backfield and it's going to be what it will be. And there's no like value you're getting on either of them much. Maybe Stevenson's the slightly better value. You know, Harris is slightly the worst value, but at the end of the day, I'm not too far away from their ADPs and what they are currently. Last question for the show. Do you draft any receivers from the Patriots? I'm actually surprised that Jacoby Myers is so low for the Patriots because he's had a pretty consistent target share for a couple of years. And Mac Jones likes to throw over there. Myers at the wide receiver 52 is fine for me. Other than that, you're just gonna have the usual born Aguilar kind of stuff. But Myers actually does end up getting a lot of targets. Like he had 126 targets last year. Like say I just told you straight up, there's a guy who had 126 targets last year and the team hasn't added very much significant competition. And yeah, he's the wide receiver 51. That sounds pretty good. Myers just is like not a red zone threat at all. It's so he's not going to score very many touchdowns, but he will give you good value. Like, potentially flex value a lot of weeks to the point where it's not just a replaceable type of guy who's on the waiver wire, like flex value is very possible. So Myers is the value here to me. I, I don't, and you know, like also Devonte Parker's here is so forgettable, unbelievably forgettable, incredibly forgettable. Like all these other wide receivers, is just a big mess. And Mac Jones is going to throw to all of them. But I think especially Jacoby Myers, who actually is a sneaky value next year. 
that wraps up the show. I hope you, that helps you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out the NFC North or AFC North episode that's also in your feed. Follow the socials. Submit fantasy questions. See you guys next week, potentially having some guests on as well. Going to be a lot of fun. Always is. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.